Hello and welcome to Rooted Together Podcast, the podcast which aims to root you in Christ through His Word together. I am your host, Charles Hegwood, and today we are in Luke chapter 12 with a three-part episode. This is part one. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. This episode is called Heed the Warning. You see, chapter 12 is heavy and urgent, and yet throughout these weighty discussions that we're going to be reading, there is on full display the love and grace of God. Heed the warnings of Jesus, and this is what they are. Beware of hypocrisy. Fear God. Confess Christ openly. Don't worry about material possessions, and be ready for when he returns. Now, that's an overview of the whole chapter. I want to look at just a few of those today. So as we jump into it, verses 1 through 12 is what we're going to be looking at. We have in the meantime, and we have to ask, in the meantime of what? So this is just after he had spoken against the Pharisees, and he's going to have these these people show up after this. I mean, he became quite popular even after saying these things. In fact, we find him with uh, so many thousands of people that they're actually trampling one another just to get near him. And interesting, he says in verse 1, he began to say to his disciples, first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will be that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. So as we look at this first little part here, we look at this beware of hypocrisy. What does he mean? He's talking to his disciples, and he uses leaven. Leaven is what you put into bread that would cause it to rise. And so he's saying the Pharisees here are like the leaven. They, you put it into the dough, and it just spreads, and it grows, and it causes it changes the whole bread. And he's telling them, don't be like them. Be aware of that. But then he turns it on the disciples themselves. So be aware of the Pharisees. By the way, the modern application of this is very clear. Beware, be weary of people who are hypocrites, who say one thing and do another, who are one, they are one person at church, and then you meet them outside of church, and you wonder, who, who is this? This isn't the same person I meet at church. They're very different. They have a different belief system. They're very corrupt. You can see their wickedness, their greediness. You can hear their their vulgar language or whatever it may be, but they're just not the same person at church. They put on a show on Sunday. What you are Monday through Saturday and the rest of Sunday when you're not at church is who you really are. Who you are on Sunday should be a reflection of who you are Monday through Saturday, but some people, and and we know those people, we have been those people from time to time, we might still be those people, put on a great show. We dress up, we look nice, we say good things, we know how to smile, when to smile, who to talk to, how to talk to them. And what Jesus is saying is beware of people like that. Stay away from them. They're leaven. It's the idea that it spreads. It's not healthy. And then he talks about 
all these things about what is hidden will be uncovered. What is he saying? What, let's decode Jesus' language here. He's saying, don't say one thing in public and in another in, and another in private. Don't say, don't speak a certain way at church, but then you go home or you go out with your friends and you speak a completely different way. Now, that's not saying you can't talk about things like sports, but what it is saying, and you know what I mean, and you know what that looks like. This is the person who is holy on Sunday, but if you get outside of the church and you were to talk to his friends, they would probably be amazed that he even went to church. They would be amazed that they would even talk nicely about people. They're, they're vicious about people they don't like when they're not at church. And Jesus is saying that stuff will be laid open in the open. And he's warning his disciples, don't be this way. What you say in private will be known. Don't be somebody else at church and another person at home. Essentially what he's saying is don't be a hypocrite. I mean, notice, here's the thing, the whole point, why would you say something in the dark or in private that you wouldn't want to get out other than the fact you know you shouldn't be saying it? Now, that isn't to say that we can't have private conversations. That's not saying that everything that we say needs to be public knowledge. I think one look on Facebook and Twitter will prove some people are better left not saying things. Just be honest, right? And there is a place for private conversations that are serious. This isn't an invitation to have no secrets and and to just share every bit of information constantly. That's not what Jesus means, but what he's talking about, these are the, the... conversations we have in private that he's talking about are those that are not good. They're hidden in darkness because we want to conceal them, because we want to conceal ourselves. These are the conversations like gossip conversations, where we talk about that person we don't like. And what Jesus is saying is those things will be brought to the light. What you said in private rooms will be proclaimed on housetops. What he's saying is you don't gossip, you don't talk in a way that you wouldn't want, for example, your pastor to hear. I mean, there's that instance where, uh, and I've had this happen, where people know that I was in seminary and I would come up and they'd be, oh, oh, he's the guy in seminary, and they would immediately, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cuss, and they would immediately change the topic, they would immediately change the subject, they would immediately clean up their language, and I would always find that very odd because I'm not... It's like it's interesting. What about that makes you afraid to use those words? I mean, they—they're not believers. They weren't Christ followers, so it—it it was always an odd thing to me. But for Christ followers, it's like having really ultimately having Jesus there with you. What would you say if he were standing there? Much less your pastor. I mean, imagine your pastor there and you're talking. Would you say the same things? Would you talk about that person in the same way? Would you use those choice of words you're using? Would you tell that joke you're telling? Probably not. Even more so, imagine Jesus standing there, much less your pastor. And then I want to cue you in on the reality that Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, is there. Nothing is said that God does not hear, whether it be his people or not his people. He hears everything we say, everything we think, every desire of our heart is made known to him. Praise God he has mercy on us. Thank God there's grace, because if there wasn't, we'd be in trouble. I mean, so I want to cue you into this little fact that that he's saying, don't be a hypocrite. 
That's the way we should talk. That's the way we should think in a way that isn't hypocritical. We move on. We should fear God over men. So he he goes on in verse 4 and says, I tell you, my friends, there's hope in the word friends here, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more value than many sparrows. So, kind of a little bit of whiplash here. Uh, what he's saying is, in the context of the Pharisees, he's warned them about the Pharisees. The Pharisees are, are persecuting Jesus. They're turning up the pressure on Jesus because he's been challenging them and calling them hypocrites and cu- challenging them to repent. And he's saying, don't worry about them. Don't fear them. Don't fear what men may think because they can only kill the body. Fear instead more who has power over the soul. That would be God. And yet then he tells them, don't fear, because God is a God of grace. Run to him instead. Don't. So this, this idea of fearing God in our context often means being afraid of God. What Jesus means in, in saying fear God and what the Bible means when it talks about fearing God rightly is this reverence and respect toward God. Our fear for God, as it were, should drive us toward Him, not away from Him. If we're fearing Him to the point of running away, it's an unhealthy fear, and Jesus is telling His people, fear not. Don't run away from God. Run to Him, because he, if He cares for the sparrows, how much more? Does he care for you? But he's telling his disciples clearly, don't fear the powers of this world. God has power over the body and the soul. Fear him, respect him, have reverence to him. But God doesn't demand fear. He offers grace. That's the point of what he's saying there. God's grace gives us value. I want to point this out, that our value is given to us by God. He says, how much more valuable are you than the sparrows? Why are we more valuable than the sparrows? Because God has given us that value, and that's grace. And that's what I mean when I talk about over these weighty conversations, God is, Jesus sprinkles the grace of God throughout all of it. We go to the next part, which says, confess Christ openly. Acknowledge him in public. What does Jesus say? And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me, confesses me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge and confess and accept before the angels of God. But not but the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So acknowledge me and I will acknowledge you. Deny me and you will be denied. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, that's Jesus here, will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers of, and the authorities, don't be anxious about what you should say to defend yourself. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Confess Christ publicly. We do this with our voices and we do this with our very lives. You can, just as you can acknowledge Jesus with your words, you can acknowledge him by the way you live. You can deny him with your words, but you can also deny him with the way you live. 
there's no shame in the gospel, for I am unashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul will write. Why is he unashamed? There's no shame in the gospel. We don't deny Jesus. We accept and acknowledge and confess and and live for him because there is no shame. And because of that, he will acknowledge and confess and accept us before the Father. What a glorious promise we have in Jesus here. Jesus brings us before the Father, and we might ask, well, what if I suffer as a result? Because, again, this is in the context with the turned-up pressure of the Pharisees. Jesus has a word for you. The Holy Spirit will be with you. The Holy Spirit will empower you. Toward the end of verse 12 there, I I get the vibes of Acts 1-8 that as you're brought before these rulers and authorities, you're brought before your accusers. What, what does Jesus say? You are not alone. God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you, and he empowers you in what to say, to be a witness, Luke will write in, in Acts. It's no accident Luke writes this here, and then in Acts 1.8 says, For you are Christ's witnesses when the Holy Spirit empowers you to be so. You can see that thought consistent throughout the two books. And we have that brief moment where we ask, well, what is this unforgivable sin? And I want to take just one second to explain that. I would say the blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, if you're asking, have I done that? Can I be forgiven? The answer is, you can be forgiven, still you have not done that. Because the ultimate blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is when your heart turns so hard against God that you would never accept Him. It is the ultimate denial of his grace before your death. And at that, you will not be forgiven. You will experience the wrath of God. As long as you still are worried about that, that tells me you have not done that. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit isn't something you can do and live for 20 years regretting. It's, it's a constant denial of the Holy Spirit on your life saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. And you saying, no, 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 that is ultimately unforgivable when you die that is accounted against you. You might speak against Jesus. By the way, Paul, and again, no doubt as Luke writes this, he has Paul in mind as he traveled with Paul for many years. Paul actively tried to kill the church. He hated Jesus. He persecuted the church because of their profession of Jesus. And it's no doubt that Paul turns and he runs to Jesus, he has Paul in mind saying, you might speak against the Son of Man and you'll be forgiven just as Paul was forgiven. It is when you constantly deny the call of the Holy Spirit, that will be unforgivable. I I wanted to take a second just to point those things out. They're important for you to understand. The, The key of that is follow Jesus today. If you're on the fence, follow him today. If you were a Christ follower, Check your life. Look in the mirror. See what God is showing you. If you have hypocrisy, if you're one person at home, if you're one person in public and you're another person at church, change that today. Repent of that today. Hear the call of Christ to repent. If you are afraid to acknowledge God because of what people might say or think, fear not. Fear God more so who has power over the soul. Would it be better to be confessed and acknowledged by God and rejected by men to, than to be accepted by men and rejected by God? Because one of those has eternity at stake. So I implore you, if that's you, don't fear men who can only hurt the body. Run to God who offers grace. Run to God who loves you more than his, the sparrows, more than 
the grass of the fields he'll talk about later in which he takes care of those things. How much more will he take care of you? He has placed a high value on your life because he sent Jesus into the world to live and to die and to rise again so that you have value, that you can have your sins forgiven. Run to him today. I'd like to thank you for joining me in the first part of Luke chapter 12, and I look forward to joining you in the second part next time. I'll see you then.